0: You're listening to the Biggest Loser Fan Podcast with Cliff Ravenscraft and Father
1: Roderick. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Biggest Loser Fan Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I am Father Roderick. We're here each and every week to talk about one of our favorite TV shows, The Biggest Loser, one that is aired in many countries around the world, different versions, different places. Uh, but the concept is the same it's a it's a program that we like a lot because it helps inspire people to really think about living a more healthy and balanced life and not to mention the fact that some of us like the idea of shedding some pounds is that right father roderick absolutely
0: it's a, it's a it's a motivational show it's a, i i don't see
1: myself ever
0: on a on a, in a situation like that because of course it, it is still television it is a show so there are some downsides to that, but what it definitely did for me in the past was to motivate me week after week after week to start moving to, you know, if they can do it, then I should at least put some effort into getting uh, healthy.
1: Absolutely. Hey, one of the things that we like to do each week is just to take a a moment of our time here at the front of the show to uh, give some initial reactions to the episode, and we're going to move into that section right now. Now, Father Roderick, I understand that uh, we have a wonderful interview lined up today, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. And I believe because of that, it, it took the pressure off from you from even having to watch the episode uh, in such a short time span. Is that correct?
0: Well, it wasn't because of our guest of today that I didn't watch the episode. I just had I a just very, try- very. I was trying to give you an excuse. <laughs> No, I just had a very busy day. That's my excuse, or busy week. And I just haven't watched it yet, but I will watch it this weekend. But uh, you've watched it, right? Cliff, what did you think?
1: I did watch it. And Father Roderick, I can tell you right now, you're going to love this episode uh, of The American Biggest Loser because this week was all about what we love the most. It is all about the education. And I want to tell you, within the first, within the first like two minutes of the episode, Allie starts off with everybody in the gym and she says, if you want to change your bodies first, you have to change your mind. And the second thing she says right after that, the more you know, the more successful you will be. That's
0: great. That, that, that sounds almost like the Australian Biggest Loser, where they really emphasize the learning process. As much as they do the challenges and the goofy things, they really educate their contestants so that they know why they have to change and what the choices are that they have to make also in the long term to stay successful because it's easy to lose weight in the context of a TV show when the whole world is watching you but it's going to be much more difficult to keep it off when the cameras are gone and and that's where i think the knowledge starts to
1: really count exactly well uh, the one thing i don't like about the episode is is that they while they touch very briefly on the idea of eating healthy and making right choices and stuff like that really the the format i mean they got 2 hours a week they could certainly go into a little bit more training and more teaching. I guess maybe, and you've said this in the past that, that they they really don't that you know they they're afraid they'll lose people. You know if, if they if they carry it on as as an instructional program.
0: And- yeah, that's a problem with with television. Uh, what they do is a minute by minute analysis uh, on every TV show, and so they can exactly uh, predict when people will you know uh, stay hooked and and keep watching, and they will see at what point people will switch to another channel. Uh, and so they have probably, over the years, now that they've done this show for nine seasons, they know exactly what kind of dosage works for the target audience. And and, and of course, this, this is all about, ultimately, <laughs> it's about weight and weight loss, it's about health, but it's also, for NBC, about making money. <laughs> and that is sometimes conflicting with the rest.
1: Exactly, and so basically, I'll just give you an idea. They had one of these, um, One of these challenges, which was a, uh, you know, kind of a quiz and the team that won had a certain prize. But anyway, for example, one of the questions was, Okay, you have white rice and brown rice. How much more fiber is in brown rice than in white rice? And we learned that the correct answer is two and a half times more fiber in brown rice. Now, what we don't learn is what in the world fiber is and why is it beneficial and why should we care? Um, Yeah. And so, uh, the next question was, you know, which of the following foods has omega-3 fatty acids? And the answer is salmon. Now, of course, they don't explain about, you know, really what are the exact benefits of omega-3 fatty acids. Now, I will say that they actually said that this is one thing that is, you know, that is very nutritious but is not produced by our body, I believe I heard. Mm -hmm. Then they had uh, which of the following food items has I, and I can't even remember elagi- elagic acid and uh, the answer of course was strawberries. but again, I don't know that they really did a lot of justice as to why we should care. Um, uh. I did like that the one of the questions had to uh, do with you know which whole grain you know oatmeal is a whole grain, uh, that promotes blood pressure control. And they said, you know, what other whole grain does this? And, of course, the answer out of the options that they gave was none of the above. But I really like the fact that they said that whole grain oatmeal uh, does help with uh, promote good blood pressure control. And then uh-huh. the, and then also uh, avocados, they, they did mention that it was good fat, uh, which mm. I'm glad to hear that people talk about the fact that not all fat is bad. Uh, but then, of course, the the only real answer question and answer there was one ounce equals fifty calories. Um, so you know they, they it's interesting. There's a lot that could be a starting point. And uh, Father Roderick, that's why I'm really happy to be talking with who we're talking with today. And Me- so why don't you why don't you set that up for us?
0: Absolutely, we have a we have a special guest for today's master class, uh, which it will be a a standard ingredient for our shows from from now on we we this show is all about teaching learning about a healthy lifestyle and and every once in a while we bring in an expert and i i think that this the person that we have today is ranks number one in my list of experts when it comes to healthy living, healthy eating, and it is Dr. Monty Ladner, and I have been listening to his podcasts all one hundred or fifty. Or I don't know. There are so many podcasts that he, that he's produced over the years. I was kind of uh, late to the game because I discovered this podcast way too long, um, but I got hooked and I listened to a show almost every day, sometimes twice a day, and I've. Everything that I know about food, (laughs) I learned it from Dr. Monty Latner. So we are so honored to have him in this show and to be able to ask him questions.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and turn to Dr. Monty now and we will do the temptation and challenge and workout and some of the other items of our show that we would normally do in just a few moments. Dr. Monty, thank you for coming on to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Cliff and Father Roderick.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Father Roderick says he was late to the game, and I want to just admit and confess that I was even later to the game because it wasn't until after you inspired Father Roderick that I was then later inspired by Father Roderick's journey and then started listening to a podcast called Fitness Rocks myself, and uh, let me just say this, that after Father Roderick talked about it uh, and I started hearing about it and this journey, uh, back in May... I decided, you know what, I've tried a lot of different things to get healthier and uh, as of May 1st last year, I started listening to your podcast and uh, since then I've lost 52 pounds.
2: Wow. Well, it's always great to hear stories like that and I get emails from people uh, now and then telling me similar success stories and that's obviously the reason that I did Fitness Rocks. Of course, I no longer make that podcast but uh, it's very gratifying to hear that people listened to what I had to say and, um, and used it and had good results. I do want to say uh, one thing very quickly, um, although I'm flattered by the introduction. Uh, I, I really don't consider myself much of an expert. I, I'm a guy who went to medical school and actually practiced medicine as an anesthesiologist, but had a a personal interest in fitness. I've never been overweight, but I've always been interested in exercise and eating a healthy diet. And as I practiced medicine, I began to realize, I, I went into a subspecialty of anesthesia called chronic pain management, and I began to realize that of all the different complaints that patients came to see me for, the one underlying thing that they all shared in common was they were terribly out of shape uh, physically, and when I would ask them about their diets, their, you know, the food they ate was, was unhealthy selections. And it became clear to me, practicing in a chronic pain management clinic, that, that this was a, a huge part of why patients visit the medical system, that they just simply weren't taking care of themselves. And so I took my, my long time just personal pursuit of fitness and started reading the medical research that was available. And it turns out, as I started looking for this stuff, I thought I'd have a hard time finding articles. But it turns out that every single week and every single mainstream medical journal, the most prestigious journals in the world, there are research articles addressing the role of lifestyle and health. And and, and what got me the most interested about that was that This information is all around us, and it is almost completely ignored by the medical profession and by the general public. And uh, we can get into why I think that might be later in the show if you want to, but, but there's this abundance of evidence about how some very simple lifestyle habits can prevent the majority of chronic illnesses that we suffer from. It's everywhere in the medical research, and it is ignored. So I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who reads these articles and then reports on them in a podcast
0: well and, and that's that's what I really appreciate about uh, the shows that you've done so far and as you said uh, you've now switched to another website another podcast called science to health that you can uh, find at science 2 with letter uh, the number two health.org.org um, but you've always had this very scientific approach where you take an article um, you discuss the conclusions of it and and you have a, a great way to kind of condense it because most people just don't have the time they, they probably won't be able to find the the articles because it's so buried in in this deluge of of, art of of information that we get most of it is disinformation or it's kind of distorted information we hear a lot about fad diets because people can make a lot of money about it but you kind of always find the right articles discuss about topics you got interviews yourself with you know experts of the out of the field and and what it's just by listening to, you know, time and again these discussions that bit by bit you start to get a complete picture of not just what you need to do to lose weight and to to uh, you know to shed the pounds, but it, it it became much broader than that. It's also about you know what what type of foods are good for us, what foods can help us, um, what can you know what, this whole relationship that you constantly stress between obesity and chronic illness. Well, it was such a broad topic, and, and it, it was just by listening for a long time that, that bit by bit, I think that y- you get a very broad um, basis, a, a foundation for the choices that you make from, uh, from, you know, uh, on a day-to-day basis at the supermarket.
2: Well, you know what's funny, uh, that, um, and, and you probably can see this trend since um, you, you, you've listened to so many of the podcast episodes, that, but there was... Um, You know, making that podcast was an educational journey for myself as well, because as I went through each week uh, scouring the medical journals to to find interesting articles to report on and then reading them, and then uh, invariably if I read an article, I would have to read several other articles to sort of understand what the first article was talking about. And then I would, would, uh, as often as as I could, I would interview the, the researchers doing the work, but Somewhere along the line, I think it was probably a year, year and a half into the podcast, I had this epiphany that uh, that you may be familiar with. I I started calling it the magic formula. Yeah. and it's it's in just a testimony to how uh, you know unbright I am that it took me that long to to recognize this trend. But but I I realized that in every article that I was reading, there were four lifestyle habits that were consistently found to, to be associated with a healthy weight and a reduction, a significant reduction in the risk, you could almost say elimination of the risk for our major chronic diseases. And, and those four habits were not smoking, eating a diet that included mostly plants, five or more fruits and vegetables per day, uh, exercising at least a half an hour every day, and maintaining a healthy weight, which... Uh, is really not a behavior as much as it is a consequence of the first three healthy habits. And those four lifestyle habits were in every single research paper. And, I, you know, it, it, again, it, it took me a year and a half to sort of figure out that the message could be boiled down to something as simple as the magic formula, these four habits. And, and when, I, when I talk to groups of people, I, I put the magic formula up on the slide projector for them and I ask them to tell me what is conspicuously absent from the magic formula. And uh, I get a variety of responses. But nobody ever says the obvious, which is there's no fad diet. There's no list of dietary supplements that are you know important. Uh, there's no gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's basic, simple stuff that anybody can do that is within, the, if you're eating food at all and you're living from one day to the next, then you can afford this very basic, simple lifestyle. You don't need anything uh, extravagant. You don't need any expensive supplements or anything like that. And, of course, the reason that nobody, uh, that, that, that message just falls flat with most audiences because we can't imagine that our health could be so simple. You know, we, we we think it has to be complicated. That, that there's some secret ingredient that scientists have been keeping a secret for the past several decades. That you know, some dietary supplement company has found out and will now sell you for a hundred dollars a bottle. But it's it's <laughs> not that complicated. It's it's something that we can all do.
0: That's what I really appreciate by your of your approach. That it is very much based on common sense. It is just it, it when you listen for a long time, you're like. Yeah, of course, but we are so disinformed and I think that the uh there, there is also it's because of the the whole industry behind these supplements and uh, and and diets and everything that we we've, we've so we were so deformed by that that we think that it is so complicated. But it, but it's actually and and that's something that I would like to talk a, a little bit uh, with you about. It, it, it is very simple to to set the first steps. We've got um, listeners in all sorts of stages of their um, health journey. Uh, some of them have already successfully lost, I don't know, tons of pounds. Others are just beginning. And especially for our, the people that are just embarking on this journey, what would you recommend as the first few steps in, in a, in a, you know, to, to make these changes?
2: Well, um, of course, any successful program is going to have to be individualized. But again, it, it, the program should be based on those four habits of the magic formula. And a person that embarks on this, I would tell them to, 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 to get a, a frame of mind for this journey. And by, what I mean by that is that they should not anticipate that they will look like the cover or the model on the cover of a magazine by the end of the month. And if that's their goal or if that's the criteria by which they're judging their success, they will fail 100% of the time. Uh, I, I ask people to change their mindset to, to be one of, I'm going to achieve optimal health. And all of those other things that I want, you know, to look better in a pair of blue jeans and, and all of these things that, that people want, those will happen as a consequence of developing and sustaining a healthy lifestyle. And so when you go out to exercise, find the things that you enjoy doing. Um, So, for example, in my case, I used to be, I used to love to run. I mean, I just loved running. And I still love running, but I'm 50 years old, and I can't do it without a significant amount of pain, and my ankles or my knees or something hurts. And I've had to adopt and change my exercise patterns in order to continue doing it. And and I find things that I enjoy, and, and recently I've just sort of rediscovered how much fun it is to just go outside and walk. Uh, of course, I live in a, in a really pretty area, but I walk for an hour every day in addition to exercising in the gym, and I love it. And the important point about that is that because I love it, I will continue to do it. If people get into a program where they, they invest a lot of money and time into uh, an expensive gym membership or some activity that they really don't like very much, but they're convinced it's going to be the ticket to losing 50 pounds they want to lose, They'll start off like gangbusters, they'll go at this every day, and then very quickly they will stop doing it because they don't enjoy it. So first order of business is keep it simple, remember that there are four basic habits that you have to adhere to, and pick the activities for exercise that you actually like to do. And again, walking is something that everybody can do. If they they have access to a street, they can walk. And fun. It's, it's amazing how much fun it is to go outside and walk. I mean, you see things, you see your neighbors, you hear birds, you hear sounds that you didn't even know were happening. Uh, it's an incredible experience. And at the same time, it's exercise.
1: Dr. Monty, if I, if you don't mind, I, I would love to say, I I want to, I, I want to thank you for those words that you just said. And I just want to make sure everybody just heard that because, and, and I've said this a couple times on our show here, is that, you know, walking is is the primary thing that I've done to lose more than 50 pounds of weight and exclusively walking. Um, And during the times um, that I've been walking and successfully losing weight, I've had other people, um, I've had occasionally, I've had one or two people, which is not very many compared to the amount of people who consistently encourage me on a regular basis, but I've had one or two people who really... Um, gave me a hard time at the beginning. It's like, oh, I remember when I thought walking was exercise. And and that is so that is so the mentality of so many people is that, you know, walking isn't very good for you. But it is. It is an excellent source of activity and an excellent source of ac- exercise. And when I actually got to the point where some people were saying, man, I, you know, eventually you'll get up to doing real exercise like running. Well, I tried running. And what happened was I found that I didn't enjoy running. So what happened was I became less satisfied with my walking, or I I started to become dissatisfied with my walking and and discouraged by the fact that I didn't enjoy this quote unquote real exercise that other people did.
2: Yeah, that this is the thing. We have so many myths in our society that uh, people they give up because they feel like, well, I'm never going to make the Olympic team. Therefore, what's the point? And and what they what they're missing is that. Something as simple as a 30-minute walk every day has enormous health benefits. In fact, there's a podcast, and I think it was podcast 97 on Fitness Rocks, in which I interviewed Dr. Stephen Blair of the University of South Carolina. He is one of the most preeminent researchers in the area of the relationship between exercise, specifically exercise, and and health. And a comment that he made uh, in that podcast was that people who were in the Uh, groups that he labeled as high fitness. And and so those were the people who had the lowest rates of all chronic diseases, whether we're talking about heart disease or high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes and a variety of forms of cancer. The people in the high fitness group were the ones with the lowest risk and what the activity that would get people into the high fitness group was about 30 minutes of walking every day. I think most people don't recognize that they feel like uh, to be fit, they have to 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 be an athlete, to be a professional athlete, and 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 that's not true. And, and of course, Dr. Blair did emphasize that there's no there's no upper limit as far as his research can tell. I mean, the more you exercise, the better the results. But I, I, I offer that with a with a caveat: it's definitely possible to overdo it in the sense of injuring yourself, or if you have some serious pre existing illnesses, you you don't want to go out and, and run a marathon by the end of the week. But the point was that his research over the last three or four decades has documented that the most powerful benefits of exercise come with the first thirty minutes of something as simple as brisk walking every day. So it is a it is a hugely powerful form of exercise that should not be overlooked. And most people find walking enjoyable. Once they get out and do it, they find that not only is it exercise, but they have other benefits. If, they, if it's at the end of a stressful day, it's amazing how calming uh, a walk can be uh, to just sort of let you sort through the things that are bugging you uh, while you walk. Or if you can convince your spouse or, or significant other to walk with you, it's amazing how much more enjoyable the conversations are if the conversations are had while you're both out moving as opposed to slumped over a a, a drink or something that other other, other <laughs> ways people try to try to relieve stress
0: but can you tell us a little bit more about um, what stress does to your health and perhaps even to uh, to weight problems uh, because I, I, I gather that that's also something that people underestimate
2: yeah, well, stress, of course, is a, is a part of our modern society. You know, it was a part of our ancestors' society as well. I mean, different different sources of stress. I mean, our ancestors stressed out over whether the tiger was going to eat them. We stressed <laughs> out over whether we can make our car payment, our house payment, or whether we're going to lose our job or lose our health insurance. You know, there's just a, an endless list of things that stress us out these days. And stress is an interesting phenomenon that, that I'm not going to pretend I understand everything there is to know about it, but I I did interview some people uh, who research this area. And one of the interesting things is that when, when our brain perceives something as stressful, something that really makes us worry, it starts the cascade of releasing a variety of neurochemicals that create a chain reaction in our body. And one of the interesting things that happens in people who are under chronic stress, where they just every single day, they are just worried, they're anxious, and things are just weighing heavily on their minds, is that this neurochemical pathway ends up in the overproduction of cortisol from our adrenal glands, which everybody's familiar with, and cortisol has a variety of interesting effects in our body, and I want to sort of put the caveat in that without cortisol, you would die, it's an essential hormone in our body, but... In excess, it has negative effects, and one of those negative effects is that it prefer or it preferentially causes deposition of fat or storage of fat in abdominal fat cells. And abdominal fat cells turn out to be different from fat cells elsewhere in our body. Uh, and what we know now about fat cells uh, is that they're not just simple empty vesicles storing excess energy. They actually do things. They release hormones of their own, uh, things with complicated names like interleukin-6 and other uh, hormones that have negative effects in our body. Interleukin-6, for example, uh, begins the pathway towards the, the creating what we call chronic inflammation, which turns out to be uh, a root cause of most of our chronic diseases like heart disease, etc. So to sort of simplify that, being stressed out every day, worrying about things that you may or may not be able to control every day leads to increased tendencies towards depositing fat in abdominal fat cells, and that leads to an increased tendency to have conditions like chronic inflammation, which set the stage for chronic diseases. Now, I will say this. You can be stressed out every day, uh, but if you're not eating an excess amount of calories, you're not going to gain weight because of stress. (laughs) You have to have the calories to gain the weight. And unfortunately, what's happened in our society is that instead of going out for a walk to relieve that stress, we stop off at the grocery store on the way home and buy a a pint of ice cream, and we sit at home in front of the television, and we eat our ice cream to relieve the stress. And that is where we get into trouble. If we took all that stress and, and walked out on the road with it, it would it would be much more effective at relieving the stress without causing us to gain weight and develop other complications.
1: Uh, Doctor Monty, can you tell us? Uh, and, and by the way, I want to just say not only did I hear a lot of things about medical uh, research and, and and benefit greatly from that, but one of the th- the greatest things that happened to me. Uh, people ask me, say they say, Cliff, oh my gosh, how did you lose all this weight? And I say, well, you know, it's it's the proper eating and and exercise and and I I, stre- I hated to always say the word diet because so many people when they hear me say the word diet, they automatically think of a fad diet. but uh, I explained to people that I, do- I didn't go on a diet. I started to eat the Mediterranean diet. And so here you got somebody like me who has absolutely no understanding of food or what what's healthy, what's not healthy. And you broke out this thing called the Mediterranean diet for me in your podcast, and and all of a sudden you just told me it's like, listen, these are the food groups so you eat; these you're good to go. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Mediterranean diet is?
2: Sure, and and I agree with you. I, it's it's always um, I, I, it always makes me cringe when I when I talk about a quote unquote diet because of exactly what you just said that people just add that to the long list of other bad diets and and sort of dismiss it as. Just another gimmick. Uh, The Mediterranean diet, uh, really, I talk about it as more of a description of an eating pattern because that's really what it is. And its roots, as far as I can tell, go back to the 1950s when an American researcher named Ansel Keys started something called the Seven Countries Study because he was interested in knowing why there was such a large discrepancy in rates of coronary heart disease between people of different uh, origins, or different countries of origin. Um, even though when you just looked sort of at the, at the macronutrients, fat, protein, carbohydrates, there didn't seem to be a, a lot of difference. So people eating high-fat diets in southern Europe around, around the Mediterranean seemed to have very low rates of coronary heart disease compared to people eating similar amounts of fat in northern European countries. And his research uncovered several things. One was something that you touched on in your introduction, was that they were eating different kinds of fat unsaturated fats and uh, omega-3 fats, which are just a subset of unsaturated fats, as opposed to the Northern Europeans who were eating mostly saturated fats from animal products like dairy and, and beef, etc. But they also had, in, this, in the Mediterranean countries surrounding the Mediterranean area, a diet that was mostly plant plant-based food, fruits, vegetables, whole grains. The meat that they did eat was from healthier sources like fish, uh, typically, and was small in proportion to the rest of their meal. Most of the meal was plants. And the sources of fat were olive oil and uh, nuts, like walnuts or almonds. And uh, you mentioned avocados, which are also a healthy form of fat. So there was this Difference in types of foods and the foods that make up there are nine criteria for Mediterranean diet in most research studies. I'm not going to be able to remember all of them, but basically it's a diet that's high in fruits and vegetables, high in whole grains, includes nuts, a small serving of nuts most days of the week. By small serving, I mean like a quarter cup sort of thing. Um, low in red meat, uh, fish and poultry make up the bulk of the meat that's eaten and even those are eaten in small quantities. Uh, if there's dairy products, it's typically low-fat dairy products. Um, a glass of wine was a, a common thing, but I always tell people that if you don't drink, you don't need to feel like you should start drinking. Uh, those were the components of a Mediterranean diet. And so the, the name Mediterranean diet, you know, its origin was that it was the diet of these people and countries surrounding the Mediterranean uh, Sea. And it is not to be confused with Atkins diet or the South Beach diet or any number of other fad diets. It was an eating pattern that was identified in a group of people to be associated with very low rates of coronary heart disease. And as it turns out, also low rates of every other major chronic disease, including type 2 diabetes. So that's wow. sort of a, the, the thumbnail uh, of, uh, of what the Mediterranean diet was all about. Now I will add just very briefly, I've been very discouraged that recent Studies appearing in major journals like the New England Medical Journal have compared the Mediterranean diet to popular fad diets for weight loss, and I've written emails to the researchers telling them that I, I think they've done a great disservice by uh, denigrating the, the Mediterranean diet to to the level of the Atkins diet because they're they're not the same thing. The Mediterranean diet arose from serious research on what were the relationships between diet and health uh... it was not a diet that was uh... put together by somebody trying to identify an effective weight loss program it, to me that's an, that's an important distinction
0: and and doesn't doesn't research also show that now that in these original original mediterranean areas the diet is changing because people have more money and fast food is introduced in those societies. Actually, their lifespan is now shortened and they get all these chronic diseases that that we also suffer from?
2: Yes, uh, that to me is another powerful indication of how effective the Mediterranean diet or this diet based on plants is at at reducing the risk of of, uh, chronic health problems because, as you (laughs) just pointed out, in those countries that traditionally ate diets based mostly on plants, they have now been inundated with American dietary habits. You know, there are fast food restaurants on every corner uh, and they are, their traditionally very physically active lifestyles have changed dramatically. Younger generations of people in uh, the countries around the Mediterranean Sea that used to go and work on the farm and do physically active uh, labor for their, for their jobs, now work in cities and drive cars and, and aren't physically active, and they're developing all the same diseases, chronic diseases that we have in America, uh, at the same rates with the same severity, uh, which, again, just shows the benefits of this healthy lifestyle and also shows that it's not a genetic issue, it's a lifestyle issue. Because if you take a group of people who have traditionally been very healthy and you take their traditional lifestyle and you replace it with our modern American lifestyle, they become just as sick as we are. I should also mention, by the way, that uh, di- diets from comp- uh, countries like Japan and Okinawa, the traditional diets that they eat, which are not called Mediterranean diets, but are nonetheless diets based mostly on plants, have had similar uh, beneficial health effects. So it's, it's the important uh, point here is not what we call the diet, but the fact that the diet is a Largely plant-based
0: diet. Yeah. Now, now, well, uh, something that I, that we hear a lot from the people that are making starting to make changes in their lives uh, is that they would like to, you know, make different choices at the supermarket and get more fruits and vegetables and lean meat, but it's so expensive, and uh, and and fast food is so much cheaper, and so they have this this feeling that they would love to change, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's not affordable. What would you say to people who have those objections?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. There are some studies that have looked at that and, uh, concluded, um, both conclusions that a, it is more expensive to eat healthy and B that it is not more, uh, more expensive. So I think it, it comes down to how savvy the shopper is. So for example, um, and, and I, let me just back up and say, I, I, I do not tell people that they should be strict vegans or vegetarians. Uh, mm-hmm. My personal diet is that I I just don't eat meat. But uh, and that's actually an interesting uh, sort of evolution. And I, 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 there was never a point in my life where I said I think I'm going to stop eating meat. I just slowly eliminated it from my diet as I found that I liked other foods. But so I cooked dinner for for my family and. Beans are a major source of protein in our diet, so we have some different kind of bean every night. I can buy a bag of dried beans at my local supermarket for less than $2, and it's enough to feed, uh, well, I have a family of five, but my two oldest kids have graduated from college and moved on. But that was enough to feed my entire family, and typically with leftovers. Now, we wouldn't just have beans, so I might also have brown rice that you talked about earlier, or I would bake my own whole wheat bread, and then I would also make vegetables. Uh, so a head of broccoli at my store costs uh, 3 or $4, and maybe it took two of those to feed five people. So basically the cost of one meal for our family of five was typically under $10. So that's cheaper than any drive through window that I know of where you can feed your family of five a bunch of cheeseburgers and french fries. So I think it just depends on how you shop and, much more importantly, the amount of effort a person is willing to put into preparing a meal. So... If you try to eat healthy food, but you only go to the grocery store and buy the stuff that's pre-cut, pre-washed, which is great. I mean, it's a great convenience. But if that's what you're going to buy, you're going to pay a whole lot more for it than if you buy the stuff that you have to wash and cut and chop yourself. So I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. They they go to the grocery store, they look at the stuff that's pre-made or maybe the salad bar where it's all cut and ready to go. And those are all great options if you can afford it. I mean, they make it simple. They make it as simple to eat broccoli as it is to eat uh, a candy bar. But it's more expensive. So to make it less expensive requires more effort on your part. I mean, cooking beans takes time. You have to wash them and you have to cook them, and that takes several hours. And if you're not home till 7 o'clock at night, it's a little bit hard to do without some planning starting the night before. And, and most people just don't want to put that effort in. So I think the, the issue with cost comes down to how much effort you're going to be willing to put into preparing the food that you and your family eat.
1: Right. We have some questions that were submitted by some of our community members, the people who listen to this podcast, and, and, and uh, I, I'm going to ask you just a few of these. Uh, Inga asks, uh, what amount of fitness or exercise is reasonable per day, and does your body get into... Um, uh, cont- I, is it catabolism after an hour of exercise?
2: Right. Okay. So, again, I, I, I want to make the uh, disclaimer that I I don't consider myself to be the final word on fitness, but here are the, the points that I will tell you that, that I have understood from, from my reading. Uh, first of all, with the amount of, of exercise that, that's required every day, as we already talked about with uh, Dr. Stephen Blair, if you can get... From uh, doing nothing, which is uh, sadly where most people are, up to 30 minutes a day of moderate intensity exercise, like walking, you will have achieved most of the benefits that are documented to come from exercise, just that first 30 minutes. Now, if you go beyond 30 minutes, Dr. Blair says that his research indicates you continue to derive benefits, but not nearly at the same rate as what you get from going from nothing to that first 30 minutes. And I should just briefly add that going from nothing to 10 minutes has benefit as well. Now, the, the second part of our question was, when do we start to get into trouble? Uh, and I'm going to uh, confess ignorance on that because, you know, if, if you do nothing and then tomorrow you decide to exercise five hours a day, you're going to have mostly complications from making that extreme jump. On the other hand, uh, world-class athletes are clearly working out five, six hours a day or more, and their bodies aren't breaking down. They're not in a catabolic state as opposed to an anabolic state. So that's a much more difficult question to answer. I, you know, I think the, the issue of overexertion or overexercising is sort of based on where you are as an individual. But for the average person that is not currently exercising, what I would tell you is that all the research to date indicates powerful benefits from that first 30 minutes of something as simple as a moderate walk. Uh, that that you can
1: do every day. Excellent. Now the other thing, uh, question that has come in, and we hear this a lot, is you know don't don't get upset because eventually what's going to happen is you're going to work out, you're going to start experiencing weight loss, and it's going to be great. But eventually you're going to plateau, and there will come a time where no matter and and, and this is a, a question I have for you, uh, but there are some people who say no matter how much you try, you're just going to stop losing weight. Um, what what do you think about that statement, based upon knowing the, I, I guess maybe the mathematical equation of counting calories?
2: Yeah, there's that that phenomenon, the plateau, is is common. Uh, people, a lot of people experience it, and it brings up so many different important points. And the first one that I like to make to people is that you're if your um, if your mission is to lose weight, forget about the scale. Mm. Uh, now, now that goes directly. That directly conflicts with data from the National Weight Loss Registry, which shows that one of the habits of people who successfully lost a lot of weight was that they weighed themselves frequently and were therefore able to catch trends when they were going the wrong direction. And, I, and I, that has merit, and I, I acknowledge that. But when I say forget about the scale, what I mean is what I said at the beginning of the show. My message to people is focus on developing a healthy lifestyle and sustaining it and let your weight take care of itself and and here's the, the thing if you're looking at the scale as your only measure of success you are not going to lose weight as fast as you would like to and, and another way of saying that is that you're not going to lose weight fast enough to keep you motivated mm. so if you're looking at the scale and after the first month you've lost two pounds you're thinking wow you know, I got 75 pounds to go. This is never going to work. You're going to give up. But if you change your frame of mind to this, which is that research clearly shows that after the very first bout of exercise, there are physiological changes that are already occurring. For example, if you are somebody who has a condition called prediabetes, which means you're on the threshold of developing full-blown type 2 diabetes, which is a devastating disease. After the very first bout of exercise, there is a measurable improvement in the sensitivity to insulin of the cells in your body. That's a huge phenomenon. That is incredibly important on your journey towards improved health. Now, that is sustained for about 24 hours, which means that to keep that benefit going, you have to keep up that exercise. Now, you're going to have that improvement in insulin sensitivity even though you haven't lost a single pound. And so there are these sort of unrecognized benefits of a healthier lifestyle that aren't measured or reflected on that scale that you're overlooking if your only measure of success is the number on the scale, if that makes any sense. Now, that's not to say that weight loss is not important. It clearly is important. But my point is weight loss, should be viewed as a consequence of a healthy lifestyle and i would urge people to focus on developing and sustaining a healthy lifestyle and trust that the research has shown that even before they start losing weight they are benefiting from the point of view of reducing their risk of chronic illnesses if that makes any sense
1: it makes perfect sense
0: perhaps one final question dr monty um obviously we have so many more questions that we would love to ask and i I'm, I'm i know we have piles of listeners questions as well coming in but what are what are good resources where can find people more information how do, how can they connect to what you are doing um on, on the internet and do you have other places where people can go to to start learn this learning process of because there's so much to learn
2: there really is. Uh, you know, of course, as I said, I, I, I have, uh, at least for the time being, stopped all of my podcasting ventures. Um, I, I, just, I, I guess I just got burned out. And, I, and I, 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 uh, it's always encouraging for me to talk to people like you guys because it makes me feel like people were listening. Um, but at any rate, sources that I would recommend to people, I, I, the Internet is full of good sources, but you have to be very careful uh, about what you're doing, uh, because there's uh, obviously lots of bad information on the Internet. So I rather than give you specific websites, what I would like to do is give you two or three excellent books that I think uh, are easy to read and are written for the general public that people can really learn a lot from. And, and the first book is called Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy. It's by an author named Walter Willett, W-I-L-L-E-T-T. He is a medical doctor from the Harvard School of Public Health. And his book, uh, Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy, outlines decades of research on the relationship between diet and chronic diseases. And he dispels multiple myths about uh, what is and isn't uh, healthy for us to eat. And, and I think uh, if there was a single source of, of education on diet that, that, that influenced me, that, it was that book. Uh, another excellent book that I think is provocative and raises a lot of interesting points is The China Study by an author named T. Colin Campbell. A lot of people probably heard of that. And I think that uh, that, that people will be very interested to, to, to learn what Dr. Campbell's research reveals. And the final book, that I, I won't give you just a book so much as I'll give you a name of a doctor named Neil Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D. And Dr. Barnard has published extensively on the relationship between diet and health. I think his most recent book is uh, Diet, the Relationship Between Diet and the Risk of Type 2 Diabetes. But if you just do a Google search for Neil Barnard, uh, you will find uh, enormous research. And, and Dr. Barnard is the founder of an organization called the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which does a lot of research in the area of lifestyle and health, as well as other things. Um, and there was one uh, final uh, group that you should be aware of, and I had it on the tip of my tongue, and I forgot about it now. Hmm. Well, it'll t- come It'll come back to me.
1: No problem. Well, I'll tell you what. If it does come back to you, and it, before we wrap up right now, um, I'll tell you, just email it to me, and I'll be certain to put that in the show notes over at biggestloserpodcast.com. Uh, Dr. Mani, it has been a true joy and an honor to get to speak to you today and uh I just want to make sure uh, fitnessrocks.org it is still available and act, uh, online though, correct?
2: It is. I I uh I took down all of the podcasts from iTunes and so you can't get the podcast right now. I have been debating whether I should put them back up. Uh I took them down since I wasn't doing it anymore. I just uh, and I wasn't really looking at the website. I I I didn't want I didn't want something to go wrong without me paying attention. Uh, So it's possible that I I will put those back up at some point. But the website is certainly still there, and there are some podcasts that are still available through iTunes and the website.
1: Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to encourage anybody... Out there, uh, they, you know the the resources that are that were on that site is absolutely amazing, and uh, maybe Father Roderick and I can and can maybe even rebuild something, uh, because I'll tell you, listening to you on a daily basis while I was walking really radically changed my mind, and and uh, you know I used to be what I would call a junk food dieter, somebody who who would count their calories but not necessarily count what they were eating and when I heard about the you know the fruits and vegetables, the note the 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 nuts, the whole grains, the you know lean meats and and just all you know the all these different options for me and and it's like, you know what this makes sense I'm gonna start doing this and I replaced you know candy bars with one ounce of cashews or one ounce of walnuts here and there and it just really helped me change my mind about a lot of things and learned. That you know, this isn't just about dropping the pounds, but it, my I am actually physically more healthy. And uh, one of the other things that I'll say is that, um, you know, it, at the beginning of my journey, I was on heart blood pressure medicine, and uh, I go, I actually during the process of this just quit taking the medication. I wouldn't t- suggest anybody else do that without talking to your doctor. But I will say this: that I stopped taking the medication, and four months later, I went in after dropping as much as forty pounds at the time and they checked my blood pressure, and it was absolutely normal.
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing, uh, this revelation that people get, that when you take good care of your body, it's a marvelous machine, and it works beautifully, but uh, you have to take care of it, just like you would take care of anything else uh, to have it perform at its optimum performance.
1: Well, Dr. Mani, thank you so much, and uh, maybe we'll catch you again in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a future interview when we have uh, more questions to ask and some more time for it. I'd be happy to. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Father Roderick, so there we go. That was, uh, oh, man, what a wonderful interview. I'm glad that uh, we had Dr. Mani on. I know you, he's been such a, an inspiration to you and I.
0: Oh, yeah. I could listen to uh, to him talking for, for three hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no And you have. Well, hey, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, our temptations and any kind of challenge that we've had. Uh, Father Roderick, uh, you know, last week I had p- told you that after we were going to record, I was going to head right out the door, right? mm mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Well, you know, <laughs> I, I did get out and I did walk, but it was about an hour and a half after I said that. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> but I, I just want to say that because I put it out there, I did go out and I did get that physical activity in. Uh, this week, I still, though, have had um, some temptations of of basically just working, working, working. I, I still have some crazy things going on in my schedule. Uh, and and it's amazing. I blocked out so much time and I got so much more organized Uh, But something always comes up. And this week we had some guy with a video camera, you know, big filming thing that he's doing a documentary on Lost Podcasters. And so he spent two days here and he wanted to film me doing all this stuff. And and it just really threw me off. It threw off two of my days. And uh, Mm -hmm. I kind of let that be an excuse to kind of just like, you know, eh, well, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow. And then, of course, tomorrow came. And I had to catch up on two days of missed emails, and so it just kept me in front of my computer. So I'm still struggling my way in. Uh, I'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. But uh, what? How's yeah. how's your temptation and challenges been this week?
0: Um. Well, I was I was tempted and not tempted. I've I've eaten reasonably well. I've I've really uh, had a few days where I. I just had, you know, uh, for for dinner, for instance, just salad, a good salad with lots of veggies, green leaves, uh, and a bit of of lean meat. And then the day after that, I, I came home very late, and I had forgotten to uh, get groceries, and so I got Chinese takeout food, which is the worst you could eat. And not even did I, not only did I get Chinese takeout, but I even I ate which was like the quantity for two people. Oh, man. So you ate all of it, huh? Yeah. And I know, retrospectively, I know that it was actually emotional eating because after uh, it was a full day, there was a lot of stress and I was just compensating and I was eating so quickly because I was starving. You know, it was like nine o'clock in the evening. So I didn't register that I had had enough and mentally, I was like, I want to eat. <laughs> and it was the only thing in my mind. So afterwards, you know, you're like, how could I be so stupid? But there you go. You, I mean, it's, it's it's probably something that I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life, being stupid, that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've got to learn <laughs> one of these days. Eventually, we're going to learn. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, take a, just a moment and uh, kind of share what's been going on when we get on the scale. And hey, before we share ours... I have some listener feedback, so let's go to uh, Nancy, who shared her response, and uh, this is what happened on the scale for her.
2: Hi there, this is Nancy, and I'm calling for the uh, Biggest Loser Fan Podcast. Um, First, totally enjoy the show, and I'm just calling with my weight, um, and I thought I would maybe call in every few weeks or so. So I was 185, um, which is the highest I've ever been in my life. I dropped down to 175, mostly just from counting my calories um, using the Lose It app. Um, Then I went away on a holiday for just four days, and in that four days I shot up two pounds. I think it will come off fairly easily. I think um, it's hard to eat when we travel, and some show it might be interesting if you gave some tips and tricks for how to uh, successfully manage what you eat when you are traveling. Anyway, so now I'm back down to or back at uh, one seventy-seven and looking forward to keep going to my goal weight, which is one sixty.
1: Bye. Nancy, thank you so much. And uh that's a great idea for a future topic, Father Roderick. Absolutely. I think it's something that we all uh experience from
0: time to time when you're you're not home, you're on it on a trip, and uh so what do you do?
1: Yeah. <laughs> How do you survive? Exactly. I, I think we'll we'll cover that maybe next week, Nancy. So uh thank you very much. All right, so moving on, we have Donna, who also called in and gave us a brief update about her weight.
2: This is Donna Crowell. I'm calling for the Biggest Loser podcast, um, and I just wanted to say, Father Roderick and Cliff, um, this, just a check-in. I just want to let you know that, uh, inspired by the Biggest Loser television program and your podcast, my husband has lost... Uh, 35 pounds since new year's going from 229 to 194 pounds and i have lost 24 pounds in the same period going from 162 to 138 we're still continuing
0: to lose um we are training for the beach to beacon 10k which will be running on august 7th so we are continuing
2: to enjoy your podcast every week and uh, just wanted to let you know thanks
0: bye-bye
1: i love it I love it. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. That, that is since New Year's, she said, that 35 pounds for her husband, 24 pounds for herself. And uh, they're training for, what was that, a 10K, she said? I think so, yes. And I, I love that they do it together.
0: Uh, Isn't that cool that they're motivating each other and, and it's, it's yielding great results.
1: Fantastic. That is awesome stuff I, I I am I am inspired by her, and I would just want to say I got on the scale this week Father Roderick and uh, my results weren't as good i I, I jumped up another pound and I, you know and that's why I appreciate dr. Monty so much because and and what he said here tonight or today whatever <laughs> time of the day it is for you uh, the fact is is that you know we can't just keep focusing only on the scale uh, but but I am I do see that the scale is a reminder to me of what I've done over the last 7 days of my life cuz I get on the yeah. I get on the scale once a week and it and it doesn't lie to me. It doesn't lie to mm-hmm. me about where I've been in my eating patterns, you know, of You know, you talk about one of the things that uh, you'll see, Father Roderick, when you see this week's episode of The Biggest Loser, you know, one of the contestants, uh, one of the challenges was a food challenge and they actually had to create a meal. And they and each person, each team's meal was went up against each other for the appetizer, the entree and the dessert. And whoever's on, you know, appetizer had less calories, get the most point. And then the entree, whoever got the less calories, the, the, you know, so forth but one of the contestants or one of the teams had an entree and the or the yeah the entree was like 500 and some odd calories and uh you know obviously they had lost cuz the other team had uh, had a much lower calorie count and even Curtis Stone there he says man that's a hot that's a high number of calories by anybody's standards and i just want to say it's like you know what i would have to disagree that's not a lot of calories by everyone or a lot of people's standards it's a you know that's that's seemingly is a is a is an amount of calories that seems seemingly is a low calorie count for so many of us. And what yeah. I and what I realize is that man I, I still need to be thinking, you know, what you know not only just counting the calories, but pr- in preparation, how many calories do I want to eat and mm. what can I prepare to fit in that? And I'm not doing that as much as I used to. Yeah. Well, we we have
0: another week to try. And uh, even even this, despite my own uh, mistakes with the Chinese takeout, I think the fact that over a week I, I was able to manage the the calories more or less, I was able to to lose one pound. But then again, that's just one pound, so it can you never know if it's really one pound or if it's just a moment of the day that I was weighing in. But anyway, I didn't gain. That was already a, a relief. We'll try to
1: do better next week. Yeah, oh, you know what I'm gonna do uh, from now on. Actually, from this point forward, I think it's gonna be a good motivation for me. I'm chang- changing my weigh-in to Friday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in on Fridays from this point forward, and so I'm gonna go weigh in now, and then next week before we record this episode, I'm gonna weigh in again. And because I will tell you, it, it is frustrating for me because I'm sitting there making these decisions throughout the week and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm supposed to be an inspiration for all these people listening and I'm not doing these things that I know I should be doing. So I'm going to continue to share with you guys in my journey, even in my struggles, uh, that I struggle with you know, making these right decisions. And again, Father Roderick, I can't wait till you hear it. Uh, she says, if you want to change your body first, you have to change your mind. And my mind has been changed. But somehow I find myself going in and slipping to the old way of thinking, my old habits. And that's why I'm thankful for coming here each week and be reminded of just how silly and sometimes stupid I can be at times. (laughs) And and always keep in mind, you know, that slimmer you is already there. You just have to take away to peel away the layers. Exactly. Hey, and one other thing I want to say is something else is always there. And that is Cliff and Father Roderick. We're always on the web. There's so much other content that both of us produce. Father Roderick, uh, you know, you're doing great with your Healthy Catholic podcast and uh, your daily uh, break episodes. Uh, you want to just tell people where they can find that? You can we all find all that on sqpn.com. Absolutely. And I want to say a special thank you to all those of you who are listening to the um, Weekly Lost Podcast now as a result of hearing about it here. Head over to lostpodcast.com if you're into the TV show Lost. Anyway, until next time, everybody, be a loser.